Good morning, afternoon, evening. Daniel, how are you? Our classic intro. <laughs> Tell me about our, your life. <laughs> our classic intro, indeed. No, at Brianna, things are going well. It's almost summertime, it feels like. Uh, we got the weather out of the way, so I'm happy we got that off the top. Uh, Parliament is also coming to an end, hopefully very soon. I would love to see it end this week, but rumor has it, it won't. But other than that, life is good. How are you? I am doing the same. I think we're all starting to feel um, things wind down and things transition into a summer mode, which I think like we talked about a few weeks ago with our, our previous guest, Christian, I think like a lot of us who work around politics are really looking forward to uh, since last summer wasn't really the case. It felt like we were walking on eggshells until an election call. And so uh, this summer feels like it's it's hopefully going to allow folks to take some time off and, and kind of properly enjoy the weather. Um, and you were seeing that in the House of Commons as well like you said I think um, they're scheduled to perhaps sit in the house until the 23rd but we'll see where exactly they land but it's not the same as you know some years where you see they're trying to push through a ton of legislation I think what we're seeing is really um, trying to get the budget implementation act through perhaps c11 but again there's just there's a lot less pressure on this year and I think we all feel that and feel kind of the winding down which I personally am a big fan of I am as well and we're also into that very important uh, season of garden parties if you're a political staff for, or a bureaucrat. I know the Conservatives had theirs last week and the Liberals have theirs this week and with the Prime Minister testing positive for COVID that throws a bit of a wrench into things but nonetheless mm. it's always great to be outside with your colleagues uh, have a couple of drinks and just kind of talk with people and see what's going on so for all the staffers out there I hope they have a great garden party. For sure. And especially um, as it's the first time in a few years we've been able to do that. I think people are really thrilled to see garden parties and barbecues and all of those exciting summer activities really come back this year. But it is also another really important month in the month of June, which is Pride Month. And so we're a couple of weeks, of course, into Pride Month, but we wanted to take some time um, at this point and really pause and, and kind of reflect and, and think about what this month means. Um, it, it happens every year. And I think we're a lot of us are accustomed to seeing the parades um, and other types of, of celebrations celebrations in our communities, which are really colorful and fun and exciting. Um, but there's also a lot more to kind of delve into what this month means. And so in order to do that, we have brought on a lovely guest this week, Bibi Wasima Juman, who is um, originally from Mauritius and came to Canada um, as an international student and uh, got involved in a variety of different types of advocacy, government relations, politics. She, she worked for the Canadian Alliance of Student Associations as their member relations officer. I had the great pleasure of meeting and working with Wasima a few years ago. When I lived in Fredericton when she was one of my vice presidents on the Students' Union. Uh, so she was involved in student government, but she's also served on the board of Fredericton Pride when she lived um, in New Brunswick and um, is someone who I think has a really, really unique uh, perspective um, and a really important voice in um, our broader political conversations, but particularly about uh, Pride and conversations about the LGBTQIA plus community. So she chats with us a little bit this week about what Pride Month means to her um, and some of the ways we can reflect and continue to learn and unlearn, as she says, uh, throughout the month of June. So with that, let's get into our conversation with Wasima. Well, good morning, Wasima. Thank you so much for joining us on the Backbenchers today to talk to us a little bit about Pride Month and advocacy for the LGBTQA plus community. Uh, so first question is, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in advocacy and politics? 
Perfect. Uh, thank you, Brianna and Daniel, for having me on. I'm really looking forward to today's topic. Uh, so just a little bit about me. My name is Christina Juman. Uh, I use she uh, pronoun. I'm currently uh, living and calling from the unceded territory on the Anguakan Anishinaabe Nations, which is Ottawa. Uh, but prior to moving here, I was in New Brunswick, the unceded territory of the uh, Wallace-Tuck Mi'kmaq people, uh, for about six years, where I uh, pursued my undergrad uh, degree, and I graduated with a and honors in criminology and criminal justice and a major in psychology. Um, if we are to take it back to uh, when I started getting involved in advocacy and politics, um, I think like my mom was the one who kind of like put that into my mind uh, because she ran for uh, for council back home when I was about 16, 17. Uh, and I remember campaigning with her door to door and I was like, why did this give me so much passion and love? And uh, it kind of was just an on and off. And then I came to, to Canada in 2016 and it was about two months in I was here I attended a, a conference called the East Coast Student Leadership Conference in at Cinefex in Antigonish um, and I, I'm so like every time I, I give this uh, anecdote I always I'm so sad that I missed the person I can't remember the person who gave that keynote but uh, there was someone who gave a keynote and said that we are all drops of water in the ocean it might feel like we are insignificant but if you take a glass of water and you put a drop of ink uh, inside the water the whole water changes color um, and for me that was a very eye-opening moment that was where I was like oh I do have a voice I do have a seat at the table I just need to be a little uh, a little bit more vocal about it or sometimes a little bit more aggressive about it as I like to say I will be the one who will physically take up my chair and demand a seat at a table that I feel like I should be there and and especially uh, considering that I'm, I'm a woman of color I'm a queer Muslim woman of color I'm an immigrant so I have a lot of intersectionality that comes into play into that so uh, it took me a couple of years to, to be confident enough to demand my seat at the table but uh, I would say that keynote speaker that I heard in 2016 was really uh, what kind of flipped that um, and then I decided to to run for student politics uh, on campus in my third year uh, was grateful to work with Brianna uh, on the exec team but from here there um, I realized that I do have a voice and uh, really in the end no one else can really speak for me rather than me um, so that's when I started getting more involved in advocacy and policy and uh, and things like that because I realized that uh, my voice does matter on the table and I will bring the issues that matters to me and my people to the table. And on that note, it's a very important month for members of the LGBTQIA plus community and that being it's Pride Month. So what does this month mean to you and the community? Yeah, for me personally, I would say it means empowerment. Uh, it really is about uh, reclaiming and retaking my identity. Uh, again, as I mentioned in my little intro, I'm a queer Muslim woman. I still identify as Muslim, but I also identify queer. And uh, we've always been told we don't exist, be it within the queer community or the Muslim community, in that you cannot be part of the community and be Muslim, or you can be Muslim and be part of the community. So um, it was really a lot of back and forth mentally for me as well to like really accept. I was like, uh, do I have to give up an identity? Do I have to uh, to choose which one? And uh, um, because of the Western media as well, it was really hard for me because I was 
kind of losing touch with my religion and uh, I was being more exposed to, uh, to the uh, to the pride to the commu queer community here so uh, but then uh, when the era of TikTok kind of started that's when I started seeing other content creator being like oh I am openly queer and Muslim and I was like wait so there are more people that are like us and there's a book by Samra Habib uh, who wrote out uh, it's called we have always been here so it just talks about like uh, how queer pe Muslim people have always around being here so especially I would say during this month you're probably seeing pictures of uh, same-sex couple uh, being circulated in the military uh, so we were always told that these people is just like a new movement but not necessarily that so for me it's about reclaiming these identities uh, and, and really advocating because when I look at pride it really started with a, to a stonewall uh, riot but which was led by people of color uh, so for me it was interesting to see how so far the pride movement did not take these people into consideration for instance when you look at the pride flag uh, we after the flag was created then we felt the need to add the the brown stripes and the black stripe and the trans stripe so for me in like in my mind, when that happened, I was like, yes, this is a step forward, but all this time I would have hoped that the pride movement covered all these people uh, and that we didn't have to go out of our way and like really redemine our seat at the table when it was us who really started the riot and really started that. Um, and also I wanted to kind of make note too that two-spirited uh, folks on this uh, on this land has always played such a predominant uh, role in society, but for some reason we are now starting to talk about two-spirited people when in fact, they've been around the whole time. And uh, um, so for me, it's about uh, the community coming together and really starting to reclaiming their seat around the table and feeling empowered about that and feeling that, oh, I'm not alone. There are other people out there. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, uh, Pride is about celebrating uh, our ancestors and the people who really led the path for me to be so openly on this podcast and started talking about my identities. It was really because of the fight of my ancestors and the people before me. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing that. I think it's so important to, to integrate like the history of the movement and, and your personal identity and then kind of where that lands today in 2022 in terms of what it means to you personally. Um, but of course, like you, I think, touched on really perfectly with SEMA, Pride is a celebration, but it's also a really important time to kind of sit back and learn and reflect about how much more needs to be done. Um, I you know I see a lot of a narrative on social media about why we still need Pride, because of course there has been um, lots of progress, and I think you highlighted some of that, but there's still so much more to do. Um, so as we kind of work through this month, from your perspective, what are some of the, the pressing issues facing the community that really demonstrate why we still need pride and why we still need to have this month to learn and reflect? Yeah, of course. I think, and like when you asked me that question to uh, to prepare on, it really got my brain thinking. Uh, as much like I think people very often think of pride as just like as you mentioned, just the celebration part of it, which is great uh, because I think it's like kind of like a month where we're like unapologetically about ourselves. Like you can dress however you want. You really are not caring. You're like this is our month. Uh, but there are still some adversities that the community face. That um, if you're not part of the community, sometimes you can kind of not know about this. Uh, for instance, when I was a board member on the Pride, uh, Fredericton Pride uh, board, and uh, I really started hearing about people's story, and then I was like, wait, people are still experiencing that. For instance, like housing, people, how people are able to get houses if you are uh, like this a same-sex couple having a kid, you are like, no, you can have that, or if you're. Uh, 
a someone, a, a bisexual woman who was in a marriage and then left your husband with your kid and they're trying to find a house. It's very hard because you have to tell your story. Uh, and then uh, like, you don't want to like take away from your story to why you left your marriage. And like, it was really like specific uh, stories like that that really got me thinking about how, why we still advocate for that. Because I'll be honest and, and say that I have wondered myself, like why do we still celebrate pride? Because when you look at the number of issues in our society, I think like pride does not fall on top. Uh, uh, but it's like somewhere in there. So uh, I really had to reflect on on why do we still celebrate it? It's again, because um, it's not like really a choice when it comes to it. When I really think about when I was uh, starting to openly accept uh, who I was attracted to. And when I look back at it, I was like, these are feelings and thoughts I've had since I was really young. But I, I kind of trained, like society kind of trained me to be like, oh, you're just appreciating a woman. But then when I look at my future, I'm like, oh, I can totally see me leaving a future with a woman. Um, so, uh, like, I guess, like, when I look, like, really down on the pressing issues is about, like, access to, to just basic services in the community uh, can be a really, really big struggle for, for a lot of folks. And I think I kind of talk uh, specifically for me and also for people who identify as brown as well uh, in the in the BIPOC community. Um, I don't think people realize how of a privilege it is to live in the Western world and to be open about it. When I look back at Mauritius, uh, it is still very illegal to be uh, to be part of the community, uh, and you still have like anti pride parade. And for instance, my parents don't necessarily know about this part of me just yet. Maybe they'll find out through this podcast. Who knows? But uh, but uh, it's it's very interesting to see how here. Uh, I remember I was talking to someone, and they were like. They kind of came out of the closet, came out of the closet. Uh, and then they were like, oh, I'm not sure about this if I'm really into women. So she was able to very nicely go back into the closet if we're trying to like use the picture. Uh, but for me, I was like, once I came out, I was really putting a lot of things on, uh, in line. I was like really trying, like when I look at it, for me, it was not just a simple decision of like, oh, and now I'm openly gay. But for me, it was like, if my parents know about it, I don't know how this is gonna go. If people back home know about it, am I? am I going to be able to go back to the country where people like me are not openly accepted there? So a lot more decision comes out of coming out uh, rather than people realize it. That's why uh, when I think about it, I don't necessarily like the word coming out. I would rather say coming in uh, where I, I go to people and I'm like, you are able to come into this part of my life because I am comfortable and safe uh, with you to, to see this part of me because I know you won't judge me or you, uh, it, it, it really comes a safety thing. And I think like a lot of people think because we are now in this progressive stage and in this uh, progressive uh, era of life that safety is not necessarily something that a lot of people consider when it comes to accepting the identity, but I think it's very, very much prevalent in a lot of people's mind. Uh, so if I had to like really narrow it down to, uh, to a pressing issue, it would be like people's safety um, and, and the fear of not being tokenized, for instance, when you're applying for workplaces as well, uh, because um, when you're filling out forms, sometimes people ask you if you're part of this community and sometimes I like sit down for, for, for a few seconds. I'm like, am I feeling safe enough to like tick off this box just yet? Uh, and very often I tick it no, because I'm like, I don't know who these people I'm applying and working with and how, how are they gonna see me and how are they gonna utilize me or support me in that work environment? So uh, very often I would 
after the fact when I'm like around the people that I care and I'm like, oh, now I feel safe. I will be able to, to tell you part of this identity. So um, long story short or long and uh, a uh, short answer to your question, I would say like safety remains a pressing issue for people. And I feel like that kind of blends in multiple aspects of society, be it whether you get a job, uh, you look for housing or you just try to find friends or a sense of community. So um, safety still is a, a, a predominant issue. And I would say mostly for BIPOC people who who are really struggling with their multiple identities and switching gears a little bit for the remainder of the month and over the next couple of weeks what would you say is the best way for individuals to celebrate learn and even get involved in pride this year yeah, I would say like a lot of people sometimes feel uncomfortable asking questions. Um, and I think it, it kind of applies to to any identities that you have. And I'm, uh, the thing is, like, sometimes it's nice to hear from the source and just asking a simple question. Hey, I've been thinking about this thing. Can I ask you a couple of questions about this? Do you have the capacity uh, to be able to educate me that? And like someone like I will either tell you here are some resources you can go look at or I will tell you my own story. Um, so. I would say it's never too late to, to kind of learn. And uh, um, for instance, like I would say the Pride Month is really about celebration, but uh, like the learning and unlearning uh, really goes all, all year round. So I would say like now that we're nearing the end of it, it's just not, uh, we did the parade, we were present, we were allies, but what does that really mean? Uh, what about creating safe spaces for, for our people to be around the table? So um, I would say like just reading and listening to tech talks and like doing your research outside of Pride Month as well. Uh, there are communities around like all the Pride uh, broads around the country really does do like fantastic workshops. I know when uh, I was on Predator and Pride, we like at least had like one workshop on, on like part of the identity, part of the community where we gave them the platform. We were like, use this to educate people, use this to take up the space. Uh, so I would say sign up for this event, really go in there with an open mind and uh, and be willing to learn and change and be discomfort, uh, like be uncomfortable in this conversation. Uh, because uh, when, the, when you feel uncomfortable, that's when you're like, oh, it is actually impacting me. And, and this is a good thing. Don't run away from that discomfort. So uh, I would say like, enjoy and, and live uh, the next few months of pride but start the unlearning and relearning uh, um, uh, all throughout the year really amazing and so um as as i believe you you know if you've listened to some of the podcast uh, with Simas, uh, we always kind of ask some form of question around uh, young people getting involved in politics is really kind of where we've geared towards uh, this podcast so as someone you know you've been involved in advocacy at community and, and government levels but also you know work in a government relations space and, and political space as well so and you talked to, i think at the beginning so so perfectly about how your voice matters and having a seat at the table um so what advice would you give to lgbtqa plus youth who want to get involved in whether it's activism or, or politics, but maybe don't know where to start or, or don't know how to kind of jump into that space. Uh, totally. And I would say again, too, like it, it took me a lot of hesitation to kind of get involved as well. Um, so my first involvement actually was for a group called Marginalized Majority Base in Toronto. And it was during the pandemic. And for me, it was being involved in a community that was not close to me it was like really going to another province another city uh, to kind of get more comfortable in that and meeting cool people that I was like oh there's no way I'm going to run into you so for me that felt safe at the beginning I was like uh, because in Fredericton a lot of people knew me so I was like I was not quite ready yet to kind of come out to people and and, and kind of be open about this uh, so 
Um, my advice is if you find an organization that you're like, this is doing amazing work and you just want to get involved, they will always be taking people because they are always looking for, for, for human resources because these organizations are very often not funded. Uh, they are very much on volunteer basis and, and they are actually look, your chosen family. I still talk to the, to the CEO of Marginalized Majority and um, he always say he will be very happy to like welcome me to Toronto and like make me meet the communities there so I still like kind of exchange well with them even though I'm not that involved with them anymore um so I guess like my advice would be um get out there like if you feel like now you're ready to kind of like start digging into it uh but uh, take your safety into consideration for it. if you feel like this is not safe and trust your gut feeling because you know yourself and your environment better. Uh, so don't feel like you have to always be speaking on behalf of all the LGBTQ people. Because again, um, I, I really care about safety because uh, a lot of people, I don't think realize the intensity that uh, LGBTQ people can experience when uh, some, like their information is in the wrong hands and people come after them. <laughs> uh, not to make it too dark, but I think this is the reality that a lot of people kind of face. And I guess for me too, what, uh, what really kind of pushed me was, uh, when people have come to me and asked me to be, for instance, on this podcast or like be around the table, that's when I realized, oh, my voice really does matter and has reached a couple of people. Uh, and that's when I realized that, uh, again, going back to what I mentioned, if I don't advocate for me, who else will? Because uh, I feel like there's a lot of queer Muslim women who are out there, but they are hesitant to kind of do that. So if I am able to kind of like open this little door of conversation, I'm happy to kind of do that. Uh, and when it comes to advocacy, I know when and uh, I got hired right after my graduation to be executive director of this provincially led organization. I was really scared to be around tables. I was like, these people have been around the table for forever. Here I was coming as a young woman, young woman of color, also part of the community. So I was like, how do I kind of like get in there? And then I realized just being your true self <laughs> uh, is really just like bringing what you think and like advocating for your people. Because very often when you look around the table, you might be the only representation out there. Um, as much as we're like, this is not your responsibility to do that. And it can be very intimidating, uh, but just be vocal about it. Just call out people when they are not doing the work that they need to be doing for you and for your people. Just ask them to do it. Because very often one kind of mindset I have kind of, told myself to make it more doable is like more people more people are ignorant than mean a lot of people sometimes they don't intend to be mean or, or, or uneducated on that they just have not been exposed to it and I think for me switching my mindset that people uh, are just choosing to be ignorant about that but rather than they have not been exposed to it and they have not seen people like me. Uh, I remember in my first year, one time I was at the mall in Moncton and someone came up to me and was like, I've never seen a brown woman before. And I was like, what? Uh, but I was like, I don't know where that person was coming, but instead of letting it affecting me, I was like, I would rather take it like, oh, you have never been exposed to this based on where you grew up and you have the openness and willingness to learn. I'm happy uh, to kind of like take you on that road. But if you, I then feel like you're being mean and unsafe, that's when I will cut you off. But uh, yeah, I guess, again, long, uh, short answer to your question uh, would be if you feel like this is right for you, trust your gut feeling and do it. And very often in a lot of the queer spaces, uh, they are very easy in, easy out. I remember in December when I had to take like a couple of break uh, to uh, with on the pride board, I had to, I just messaged them like, hey, I don't have the capacity to be involved right now. And they were like, oh, no question asked, take your time, come back again. So um, they are very easy in, 
energy loud and like really create a space for you to be open and, and really take care of yourself as well. So uh, reach out to these organizations if you are looking to be uh, more empowered and to really bring your voice out there. And for the final question on a much lighter note, and I, I know you're new to the Ottawa area, so I might spare you a little bit on this. What is your favorite place either here in Ottawa or back in Fredericton? Um, Yes, I'm pretty new two months in and I still feel like I have a lot of exploring to do, which I'm I'm really looking forward to doing over the next two days on my days off. Uh, but I would say like so far, one of my favorite places has been when you're walking towards Parliament and you have the hotel and then the Rideau Canal and then you watch the sunset there. The amount of time I just have to there and like watch at the sunset really beautiful and just the path uh, behind parliament is pretty nice too uh, so i would say so far this is like one of my favorite places in in ottawa and uh in fredericton i have a couple of them but uh if i have to narrow it down it's the walking bridge uh and the path leading to the walking bridge as you can tell i'm very much into nature i need to be closer to water i think it's the island girl in me but uh yeah i would say like uh, in fredericton it would be the walking bridge at any time of the day where you're walking there even at night it's just beautiful and peaceful so uh for me anything near water really in a city would be my favorite place that's perfect and, and can attest both excellent recommendations for ottawa and fredericton so even in your short time in ottawa with Sima, you've scoped out a really good spot there uh, between the chateau and the hill i think it's beautiful so and um, thank you so so much for for joining us and really appreciate your time today and and for sharing i think your really really valuable voice and experience in this space and um i wish you and everyone else listening a very happy pride month and thank you so much again for your time thank you so much for having me Well, Brianna, I thought that was a very thoughtful and interesting conversation about not only what it's like to be a member of the community, but also how we, as those outside of the community, can best support uh, loved ones, friends, families, and anyone kind of involved. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I really appreciated um, Wasima sharing her perspective as she highlighted a number of times as a, a queer Muslim woman. I think that that really shows us that as much as you know, we talk about the LGBTQI plus community in in broad terms, there are different intersections and different um, kind of spaces within that community. As with I think any type of movement or activism, there's always um, you know it's not homogeneous. There's there's lots of different members, and I think um, Pride Month is is a really perfect time to talk about that in in the context of the LGBT. Q plus community. I think Wasima really, really shed an important voice and an important light on some of those issues. And one of the things I really appreciate is she talked about um, kind of in that question about, you know, why do we still need pride and what are some of the issues facing the community? Um, she highlighted housing as one and, and a few others, but I think it's it's something we should always be mindful of. I know we talk about so many different policy issues on this podcast and just broadly in our day-to-day -day lives, but I think how those issues affect um, different communities, such as the LGBTQ community differently, um, is something we should always have a lens to. I know even thinking about my own work, um, you know, working in education, it's something for us, I think, to all reflect on in this month of Pride is in the spaces and communities we occupy, how do issues or topics of conversation that we have every day, how do they affect maybe um, those folks differently? And I think she talked about that in, in a really, really important way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it was also interesting how she talked about how TikTok has kind of helped her kind of see more of herself in other creators. And I think that's something that kind of came from the pandemic. And it's great that that, that opportunity is out there and hopefully other people see themselves as a part of this community too when they didn't necessarily think they fit into all aspects. And I think that's a great step forward for a number of people. 
For sure. I think uh, the power, the really positive power of, of social media and that visibility of, of representation um, within different communities and within our broader society is so important. So yeah, I was glad she touched on that as well. And again, um, I know we spend some time on TikTok and there's there's lots of different stuff out there ranging from you know good recipes to funny content, but also some really important um, uh, content as well. And so I think, again, it's great when social media can be used as, as a force for good. And I think that's a really good example of that as well. So with that, um, really happy to have shared this conversation and wishing you all a very happy Pride Month. I do hope uh, folks listening in take a chance to, to kind of delve into this, um, enjoy and appreciate celebrations in your communities, and also take some time to maybe learn something new um, about um, the LGBTQ community and how you can continue to support them in your lives. So with that, have a great week. Um, happy final sitting weeks of the House of Commons and happy summer, everyone. Thank you.